Uh, this morning, I'm excited to share. Um, I'm, I've been looking forward to it all week. I'm excited about this series, about being honest. Uh, you know, these are some of the terms, this TBH, this is what the students use anyway. So I'm trying to get a little more familiar with it, so that helps too. Um, but this morning, in thinking about being honest, I felt the Lord lead me towards this path of uh, focusing on the call of Matthew um, this morning. And, and the title, if you will, of the message is, Are We Fully Surrendered? Are we fully surrendered? Being honest about whether or not we are fully surrendered to God. And so in thinking about that this morning, I kind of want to start a little different. Because I figured if we're doing something about being honest, I wanted to start the service by being honest, if that's okay. Can we be honest this morning together? Is that okay? Can we start with that? Okay. Maybe not. Well, we're going to do it anyways and see what happens. So here we go. Um, So this morning, I want you to kind of during this moment, think about your relationship with God and, and think about where that's at. Think about, um, you know, uh, your priorities in your life and, and simply ask the question, are you fully surrendered to God? And now I want to think about in areas that can be and, and thinking about what's number one in our life. Is your relationship with Jesus the number one thing in your life? Now, it's easy to say yes, but is your lifestyle showing that? Do other things take priority over your relationship with Jesus? And so this morning, I'm, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And some of you are like, man, that's the quickest sermon I've ever heard. I love this guy. I'm not finished. But again, I'm going to ask you to be honest. Because I feel like if we're not even willing to be honest to start the message this morning, we're not going to allow God to speak through His Word. And I think that's the most important part. And so this morning, I want you to first off, because I can kind of feel it, and, and I know I feel it in my own life, there's always so many distractions when we come in on a Sunday morning. Not here at church, but I'm talking about the, the distractions of life. And so right now, I first want you to just let those go, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. But I want you to let go of those. Quit thinking about what's at the, at the restaurant you're going to go to after church. Quit thinking about that bill that you got to find the money to pay for. Quit thinking about that problem at work that you got to deal with tomorrow. And let's just, for this one moment, focus on Jesus. And now my question is, are you fully surrendered? Is Jesus truly number one? Or do you feel like in your personal life, there's some areas where maybe there's an area of your life that Jesus isn't number one. Maybe there's something else that you spend more time worrying and focusing on than Jesus. Now, again, I'm right there with you, okay? And I believe we all are in a lot of ways, but I want you to be honest. Now, obviously, we serve and worship a God that is all-knowing and all-powerful, so He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going on in your heart. But this morning, I want you to be honest with yourself. And so right now, I want you to say, hey, if I'm not fully surrendered, if there's an area of my life right now that I know Jesus isn't number one, I want you to just lift your hand and say, this morning I know there's an area of my life that's not fully surrendered to Jesus. Thank you. Hands going up everywhere. Thank you. Father, I pray that this morning that we will listen to your word. And Father, I pray that we will allow you to root out those areas of our life that aren't fully surrendered to you. And Lord, I pray that this morning that we'll see individuals here in this room decide to fully give everything to you and be all in for what you have for them in their life. I pray all this in your name. Amen.
I want to read from Mark chapter 2 this morning. If you'll join me in Mark chapter 2, I'm going to be reading from verses 13 through 17. Thank you for standing as we read God's Word. Let's read starting in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went out again beside the sea, and the whole crowd was coming to him, and he taught them. And then moving on, he saw Levi, or other referred to as Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And Jesus said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also guests with Jesus and his disciples, because there were many who were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, Those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do need one. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You may be seated. So I was talking to Miss Jessie this week and Pastor Jeff, and uh, they were getting the get one bulletin ready, right? The back of the bulletin where you get your points. So if you don't have one, I hope you rem- remember to get one next week. It's a great way to write in some notes from Pastor Robbie's sermons and um, keep up with those and be able to refer back to them. But if you have one this week, you'll notice that it's a little different. It, there's three blanks there. And I remember when they asked me what I wanted to put on the bulletin, um, today my three points are just simply three words. And then I started thinking, man, every other week, Pastor Robbie's got these theological sentences with these nice fancy words, and then the student pastor gets up and he's got three blanks. And so I know you're probably thinking, oh boy, what is this? And my hope of that is that you'll remember these three words. My hope is that throughout the rest of this day and this week, and maybe even the rest of this year or your life, you'll remember these three words when thinking about whether or not your relationship with God is all in. And so this morning, I want to look at these three words together, and it comes directly from the response of Matthew. And in fact, it's funny I use that word because that is my first word, response, this morning. So again, I want to look back in verse 13 and verse 14, and it says, Then Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he taught them. Then moving on, he saw Levi, or Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, And Jesus said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. And so we see here in this text, first off, very simply, that Jesus is calling Matthew. He calls out Matthew to simply follow me. And then right after he does, immediately we see a response. Immediately we see a response from Matthew. Now, I know a lot of you know this about me, but I spent a lot of time in Hawaii, or a lot of time, two years in Hawaii, Uh, Me and my wife spent some time there together, and I was there before we got married. And so um, I loved it. It's a beautiful place if you've ever been. Has anybody ever been to Hawaii? I like to check. Okay, two, two, three. Um, So a few. So you know it's very beautiful. It's a cool place to um, go and visit. Um, Pastor Ben always likes to say, I struggled on the mission field out there for for Jesus, right? Um, And, you know, I did struggle in one way, though, because they've got a lot of good food. They've got really pretty, like, um, scenery and nature, a lot of fun stuff to do, but they do not have good Wi-Fi in Hawaii. It's just not good. Now, it kind of makes sense. You're on the middle of an island in the middle of the ocean, so I kind of understand, right? And again, I also was living in a dorm with about 50 other students, 
So parents, I know that, and especially my family, I know how many times I've heard a, a little sibling or someone, why is everybody on the Wi-Fi? The Wi-Fi is not working. Cut your phone off the Wi-Fi. Has anybody ever heard that from their children? All right. We live in Madison County, so all of you probably have heard it at some point. Um, Windstream, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> if Windstream is watching this, we love you. <laughs> but when you think about Wi-Fi and you think about waiting on it, I also love Georgia football. And now there's a little bit of a time difference between here and Hawaii. Six hours if the daylight savings time is one way or the other. So six hours early for a noon game, I'd wake up at 6 a.m., crawl out of bed, turn my Roku TV on, and get the game on. 6 a.m., I'm wide awake, ready to watch us lose to Alabama for the fourth time in a row. And I'm watching and excited, and we're driving down the field, and we're about to score a touchdown. And guess what? Spinning circle. There it goes. The spinning circle. And then here comes a call from my dad or somebody in Georgia. Did you see that touchdown? No. <laughs> I'm spinning circle. Nothing. So I'd go a little longer, spinning circle. And then it'd get to the point where cannot connect to Wi-Fi, reset router. So I'm like running through the dorm at 6 a.m. trying to find the router, and then I'll see somebody up, and I'm like, why are you awake? Get off the Wi-Fi. You're a college student. You don't like football. You're in Hawaii. Go to sleep. And I'd get so frustrated because I was waiting on this delayed response from my TV. I love my wife. There's always a, if you say that first, usually there's something after it. I love my wife. She was here in the first service, so she heard this. Don't worry. But sometimes you can wait on an answer from your spouse too, right? Can't that be delayed sometimes? Like, especially, now my wife, she's not the best listener in my opinion sometimes. But she says it's because I talk too much. She says that, and Ben gave me the second amen of the day on that one. But she's, you know, she'll, I'll start telling her something and then I'll be like, so what do you think? Huh? I'm like, you didn't hear nothing I said. She said, well, you've told me a thousand times. Like, why do I keep listening? I'm like, oh, good point. And so I'll wait on a response, or maybe I'll send her a message, and I'm like, and she is the opposite on this one usually. I'm not much of a texter. I, I don't like texting. I'm more of a call kind of person. So I don't check my phone a whole lot. I get annoyed if I have to be on my phone texting. And so she'll be texting me something during the day. Hey, can we do this tonight? Can we do this? And I'll just not respond. And she's just like, man, it, will he ever respond? Like, I, I'm always waiting on him to respond. Another delayed response, right? Another one. Most young guys probably know this or remember this, or some of you. And it might have been different if you've been uh, not young in a while, maybe. So maybe for you, you didn't send a text. Maybe it was a love note, or um, hopefully it wasn't like an ink, like ink or something like that. Surely nobody in here did that. But you remember that love note you wrote to that certain somebody. And you remember that love text you sent. And you remember sending it and thinking, Oh, I'm so nervous. Like, I hope they respond and maybe having to wait for a little while, right? And man, that's the worst few minutes or hours, or in my case, day that you'll ever have to wait. Because my wife lives in Georgia, lived in Georgia, and I was in Hawaii when I decided to kind of let her know, hey, I'm really interested in you. And so I sent her a text at about seven o'clock at night in Hawaii. Terrible decision. Because guess what? It's middle of the night in Georgia, so she's asleep. So I'm just sitting here in my bed, just scared to death, thinking she doesn't like me. She's not going to text me back. I don't know what's going to happen. And the next morning I wake up and she still hadn't responded. And I have to wait like even longer. And so I, and now I know, I think she was kind of like playing hard to get, which, you know, she still does that sometimes. But in that, it was such a good 
builder of patience, but I hated it. I hated having to wait on that response. And I even think about umpires and referees, right? How it can be so frustrating when you get a bad call in a sporting event. But what's most frustrating for me than anything, because they're humans, they mess up, is when you get a delayed call, right? Has anybody ever thought of that when like you're watching a game and like something happens and it's a close play and they let it go and then like 30 seconds later, here comes this old man throwing a hanky. And it's like, are you kidding me? You called that so late. That's so frustrating. It's a delayed response. And so my question is, why do we do it to Jesus? We can talk about all these things that frustrate us, that we have to wait on. All the delayed things we have to think about and wait on and how frustrating it can be. But then every day it seems like we're telling Jesus, you know what, Jesus, I know you think you know what's good for me. I know you think that's what I need to be doing right now, but I tell you what, how about you wait till tomorrow? Because I got a big thing at work today. I need to focus on this so I can spend time with you tomorrow. We get really frustrated by things that make us wait, especially in a world where everything's at our fingertips with a smartphone. But yet we're daily telling the creator of the universe, the creator of every part of us, that he needs to wait on our time. We're making him wait on a delayed response. You know, that happened in Genesis chapter 19. A certain someone, Lot's wife, she decided when they were told to leave Sodom and Gomorrah and they were on their way out, she had a delayed response. They were supposed to leave and instead, what does she do? She pauses and turns back. And then she was gone. Turned into a pillar of salt because of a delayed response. Now, I don't see any piles of salt this morning, so that's the good news. We all still have a chance to respond to Christ's calling. But why do we continue to make him wait? And there's two sides of this. Number one, maybe you say, hey, I've never truly followed Jesus. I've never given Christ my life at all. There's no need to continue delaying that response. It's the best decision we can ever make. Number two, maybe you say, hey, I am a follower of Jesus, but God's been calling me to do things, and I just keep putting it on the back burner because I'm so focused on my career. I'm so focused on worldly and earthly possessions that, you know what, I'm going to make Jesus wait. And I'm going to be honest. I think more of us do that than we're honest about. I truly believe it's so easy to get attached and entangled by worldly desires that we miss out on God's call daily for our life. I mean, like really thinking this week, how many days out of this past seven-day week was God really number one in our life? How many days did more decisions that we made reflect a focus on eternal things versus worldly things? If we're being real, if we're being honest this morning, out of the past week, how many days did we really truly make more decisions based on eternal things, focusing on God, than worldly things? I think if we really answer that question, a lot of us would not like our answers. Now, in light of this, again, I said there's three words. This first response is, is important, especially when it comes to just simply responding to the gospel and making a decision to follow Jesus, but then also following his call. But now we say, how do we follow this call? 
And I think it's very clearly pictured right here. Right after Matthew answers the call, we see what happens in verse 15. It says this, you ready? Right after he answers the call, it says, while he was reclining, this is Jesus, while Jesus was reclining at the table in Levi's house, or Matthew, many tax collectors and sinners were also guests with Jesus and his disciples. It's simple. There's a relationship. A relationship. Matthew has Jesus dining and reclining in his house. You know, it's easy to have a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. Sunday school, here at Trinity Life Groups, growing up in kids' ministry, growing up in student ministry, it's great to know and study the Bible, but it must be more than just a head knowledge. It's got to be a heart relationship with who Jesus is, having a relationship with Jesus. I have something I want to illustrate with that with this morning. The first picture, if you can put it up for me. Let's see if anybody knows who this is. Does anybody know who this is? Somebody? Lauren Daigle. Exactly. Lauren Daigle. Does anybody heard of Lauren Daigle? Heard her music? We've sang her songs many a times. So Miss Misty was here in the first service, so now I can really tell the story like I want to tell it because she was there, and I don't have to let her tell the truth. But I'm going to tell the truth. Lauren Daigle, for a long time, if I'm being honest, was my celebrity crush. Okay? Um, I, I wanted someone that was like a, a godly influence. She's in Christian music. I figured that was a pretty good start. And I wanted someone that could sing pretty good because I thought that was kind of nice, you know. And I thought she was pretty at the time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I think I like Lauren Daigle. You know, I think we could be kind of cute together. That's what I used to think. Lauren Taylor, ah, that fits. Might work, you know. So I kind of got my hopes up. Well, we decide to go to a, a concert. Trinity students, we go to a concert. I think you were there, right? And Lauren Daigle's there, and we actually got some seats kind of close to the stage. Now, I'm not thinking anything, no way I'm going to ever have a conversation with her, but Miss Misty Berryman can talk anybody into anything, just about, right? And so Miss Misty starts talking to me. Miss Misty, Miss Misty, I love how the kids say it. She starts sharing with me, Zach, you are never going to see this girl again. And she's single, and you're honestly running out of time. You're 25. You might as well shoot for the fences. And I was like, you know what? I think you're right. I think I'm going to give this a try. So I find a little sticky note. I write my name and my number. Just, I don't have to write, as I said in the first service, I didn't have to write nothing special because she was going to see this and that's all needed to happen, right? I knew it would work. So I write my little name and number down, go bebopping up to the stage, and I get there and I freeze. Can't breathe, can't talk. And Miss Misty's like slapping me in the back of the head. And so Misty grabs the number and hands it to the little manager, the, little, the manager that's walking with Lauren. And they're like, thank you. And Lauren's just smiling at us. And I'm just like, frozen. And they walk away. And now here's the funny part. This is what's awesome. You ready for this? About two or three hours later, guess what happened? Absolutely Nothing. <laughs> nothing. No phone call, no text, still waiting. Now, at this point, obviously, I don't need Lauren. I have a better woman in my life. But if she calls, I'll get her to come and sing on a Sunday morning if I can. I'll work that out. And so, you know, I think about that, and I think about our relationship, if you will, or lack thereof. If you heard that story, and, and maybe I can say on my side, like, I had a relationship with Lauren. Not really. 
But on her side, she don't even know who I am. She might remember that creepy guy that walked up stage and froze. But other than that, she doesn't know who I am, right? There's no relationship there. Even if I have some kind of knowledge of who she is, or maybe like a, a real quick, like, like awkward moment between us, other than that, there's no relationship. Now, the next picture, a much more beautiful woman, maybe. This is my wife, Cassie, and I on our wedding day. And as you know, we've been married, uh, I guess, coming up on two years in December, 19th, still remember it. Um, two years coming up. And I think about Cassie and I, and I think about, you know, our life. And here we go. You ready? I'm going to give you all some insight on our relationship. We talk every day. What do you think? Pretty good husband, right? We talk every day. Guess what? I hang out with my wife. I spend time with my wife every day. Huh. Pretty good husband. We eat meals together. Hey, I worship my wife at times and who she is. I'm thankful for her. I tell her that I'm thankful for her. Do you talk to Jesus every day? Do we spend time with Jesus every day? Do we tell Jesus how thankful we are for Him every day? Does our relationship with Jesus look like mine and Cassie's or mine and Lauren Daigle's? Man, that's a serious question. And this is one that I think we kind of just sweep away sometimes. But honestly, how often do we truly spend time talking to Jesus? Because let me be honest, if I didn't talk to Jesus or Cassie this week, even just like one or two days, if I don't call Cassie any tomorrow, and like when she wakes up, I'm gone, and I don't call her or talk to her, she's going to call the police. She's going to call my parents. She's going to call Pastor Ben. She's going to be like, where is Zach? Something's wrong. I hadn't heard from him all day. What's Jesus saying about our relationship? When's the last time Jesus heard from us? And now again, it's easy to hear this and say, oh, I'm going to start reading my Bible this week, and then a week later, we're just right back into it. I think today, this is, this is where a lot of us have to really just be truly honest about our relationship with God. If we're fully surrendered, there is signs of a relationship. Not just a head knowledge. Not just rattling off verses that you, you learned in the third grade. It's a true relationship that shows a companionship, a relationship where you're talking, you're spending time with Jesus daily and desiring to spend time with Him. You know, we're going to have a chance in a minute. I've got one more point. But in a minute, we're going to have a chance to respond like Matthew. And maybe this morning, and I don't want to let this stop. I don't want to quench the Spirit. This morning, if you say, man, I don't know if my relationship is that of what it should be with Jesus. Maybe it looks more like me and Lauren Daigle. Maybe it is just a head knowledge or an awkward encounter every once in a while. 
And if that's the case, I pray that when we conclude this morning, maybe right now God's working on your heart and he's calling you to just come and fall at his feet and just pour out to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I have neglected our relationship. And I want to strengthen it and give it back to you. But before we get there, I want to focus on number three. Number three comes from verses 16 through 17 that says this. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he, which is Jesus, was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, those who are well do not need a doctor, but the sick do need one. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Number three is a reaction. A reaction. Because you see, once we respond to Jesus and once we have a relationship with Jesus, I believe that there's a reaction that takes place in our hearts. There's a change in our hearts. We're made into a new creation, as we see in 2 Corinthians, shared by Paul. And so when I think about that in our life, I think about how it happens in two ways. Number one, we realize as broken sinners that have made mistakes time and time again, that God still wants to use us even through our brokenness. In fact, He wants to use us because of our brokenness, because we are sick, and because we know we are in need of a doctor. And so, I want to illustrate that this morning. I've got a little bag here, and again, as I said in the first service, I might have stole this from somebody because I found it here in the church. Being the janitor, sometimes you find things, and as a janitor that sometimes preaches, I was like, oh, that's I need that. You know, I need a bag this week. So I do apologize because I've kind of made some alterations to the bag. But if you look at it, Build the Veil Workshop, I guess this is some free advertising, I don't know. So if you look at this bag, what do you think? Looks pretty good, right? Everything okay with it? All right. Everybody think it's okay? What's wrong with it? Holes in it. There we go. I like some uh, audience participation. Audience participation. There's some holes in the bag. This morning, this bag represents us, right? And all humanity. And these holes represent sin, hurt, pain, really our past in a lot of ways. And, And what it is, it's almost like a scar, right? You think about when you get hurt, when you fall and get scraped. Sometimes it can be bad enough to where you have a scar. And so it's something that you have to remember, and it's going to be there forever, a lot of them, unless there's, ain't there some kind of cream or something you put on it. But most of the time, you're going to see it forever, right? And so you think about a scar in your life, and you think about how it can be ugly. It can make something like this, a bag that was perfectly fine. Now it's kind of ugly. It's kind of messed up. We're not sure if we want to even have it anymore. Maybe we just need to throw it out. But the good news is this. God doesn't throw out broken people. God doesn't get rid of broken people. In fact, God wants broken people. Jesus says here he desires those that know they are sick and that they need a doctor. Because if this bag was fully enclosed and had no holes in it, if I turned this flashlight on and put it inside, it would contain the light. The light would not be able to get out because there's nowhere for it to exit, right? But this morning, the good news is that when I turn this flashlight on, 
and I put it in this broken bag, there's exit points. And as you can tell, if I turn it, it can shine out. It can escape the bag and the scars of this bag, the scars of our life are in fact the things that allow Jesus to shine through even more. Thank you, Pastor Ben. So this morning, first off, I want us to be reminded that God wants to use us through our brokenness. He desires to understand us to understand our brokenness and know that he can use every bit of it to shine his light to those around us. But now this is what I want to conclude with this morning. And again, can, I guess we can be honest. That's the title of the sermon series, right? It's a lot of times, and this is Zach speaking for a minute. I don't even know if I'd say this is Pastor Zach. This is just straight up Zach speaking this morning. It's sometimes very easy for me to say, hey, I know God can use my brokenness. I know I'm broken. My wife will tell me every day. I know I've got mess ups and scars and God's going to use that. But then I'll turn around and look out into a world of brokenness through those two doors right there. I want everybody to look at those two doors and think about what's on the other side of those two doors. Think about the world we live in. Think about how frustrating it can be to go through those doors and turn on the news. I mean, does anybody get mad when they watch the news? I do. I'm being honest. I get frustrated. I get mad on Facebook. I get mad at the stuff I see. I get mad at broken sinners. Maybe because they don't believe like me. Maybe because they voted for somebody different than me. I get mad at them. I get so frustrated. Why are you the way that you are? And instead, Jesus looks at them and says, follow me. Jesus doesn't look at the people over here that think they're all self-righteous and got it all together. Jesus is looking at the ones that say, I'm broken and I need somebody. And that's the same people that we're getting mad at. We're looking in this world and wanting change, but yet we're getting mad at the people just because they believe differently. I truly believe that if we had the same heart as Jesus, if we had the same eyes as Jesus, and we looked at those people, the people that believe differently, if we looked at them in the same way and said, you know what, those are broken people, just like I am and just like I was, and they're just in need of a doctor. Because Matthew was just a tax collector, someone that everybody else got mad at, right? And so my third point is simply this. What's our reaction? Are we going to huddle up because we all believe the same thing and get mad at all of them? Or are we going to say, you know what, I was right there. And if it wasn't for God's grace, I'd still be right there. And are we going to love people? No matter who they voted for or what they believe, we're going to love them. We're going to reach them. We're going to react to them differently and pray for them and just simply share who Jesus is with them. This morning... I want to have a time of response. And obviously there's a lot of things that could be responded to. And so I don't know what that is for each and every one of you this morning. Maybe it's simply a response of saying, hey, I need to follow Jesus. I've never made that decision. Or I've, I've made the decision potentially, but I've kind of just put everything else on the back burner and I've said, Jesus, you need to wait. 
I've got more important stuff to do right now. Man, Jesus, I got a mortgage. I can't be worried about going and telling people about Jesus. I got to work and pay for my house. Jesus, man, I've got three kids in sports right now. I got to get, I got 14 practices to go to in three days. I got to take care of all this. Jesus, you can wait. I'm just being honest. I hope that's okay. Because God's being honest on me this week, and it don't feel good. As Mr. Chris said, my toes are hurting. Me too, man. Jesus has been stepping all over them. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe we say, man, I got a head knowledge of Jesus, but I don't spend time with Jesus. I don't spend time talking to Jesus. I don't spend time in the Word. Maybe today you need to go home and say, forget lunch. As a family, we're going to spend time in God's Word. We're going to spend time in prayer this morning. And number three, maybe it's a reaction. Maybe you say, man, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus, but boy, I don't act like it when I'm around people that are different than me. People that see me out in public or people that see my social media, they don't think I'm a loving follower of Jesus. I was able to share with the high school at Athens Christian School this week about following Jesus. And man, they responded. You know, I saw so many students come up to the front and pray together, pray with each other, pray for each other. High schoolers, with their peers around them, they were willing to do that. Those seats get pretty comfy, right? Sometimes I feel like some of us, including myself, we can get some some super glue or something going on because we just sit in that seat and we don't move. Or maybe when we stand up, we grab so hard on that chair in front of us and just hold on because we know the Spirit's calling, but we don't want to let go. Let go this morning. Fully surrender to Jesus. Maybe this morning as I pray in just a second, maybe that means you need to come fall flat on your face. Maybe you hadn't done that in 10 or 15 years. And God's calling you to this morning. Be willing to listen to the Spirit of God. It's the most incredible thing. Jesus is the only thing at the end of the day that matters. And so this morning, I'm going to pray, and I challenge you simply, if you need to come, please be willing to come. Don't allow Satan or this world to hold you back any longer. Maybe you need to come with your whole family. Maybe you need to come with a friend. Maybe you need to come with an enemy. I don't know, but come with somebody if God's calling you to respond. Let's pray. Father, you gave every ounce of who you were through your son Jesus for us. Jesus, you dropped blood and sweat for hours on end and gave your entire life. But not only that, you took on every single sin I've ever committed. You took on every single minute mistake I've ever made in that moment on the cross. Am I willing to give you anything in return? Lord, we say no. We say hold on. We say wait daily. God, help us stop. Father, help us have a true, genuine relationship with you. Help it be real and not some fake thing we put on when we walk through a church door. And Father, Allow our reaction to those around us to be changed. Allow us to be a new creation. Allow us to see 
those around us, the broken sinners, just as you saw us with a heart of love and grace. Father, I pray that you'll move in this church this morning. I pray that if there is those that need to respond, that you'll give them the bravery and courage to do so in your presence. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Please stand this morning and respond. Me and Pastor Ben will be up front as well.